Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 77 of UFO Encounters Worldwide. This is your host, Jesse Peak, MUFON field investigator in the state of Pennsylvania, city of Philadelphia. And yes, it is that time of the month where we go over the top cases from this month's MUFON journal. Um, these are all the top cases, so they're very detailed. So if you want, get a notebook out and write them down. This way you can get that data. We're also going to go over some really, really cool um, EM UFO encounters today. Um, that stands for electrical malfunctions um, that are going on during these encounters. Really cool. Um, that's what we do at Project Bat Tech, so I thought it'd be pretty cool to share these cases with you guys today. So with that being said, strap on them seatbelts. We're going for a ride. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 77 of UFO Encounters Worldwide. This is your host, Jesse Peake, MUFON field investigator in the state of Pennsylvania, city of Philadelphia. And today's episode is sponsored by KMP Expressive Events. They're holding new monthly events, so it's pretty cool to check out. You can find them on our website at ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com. And yes, it is that time of the month again where in our episode today, we are going to go over the top cases from the February 2023 MUFON Monthly Journal. Um, these are some of the top cases that are out there. They are written in very good detail. Um, like usual, I'll be giving you guys the case numbers. Um, this way, you can go look them up and uh, either follow along with them during the show, or if you want to go ahead and check them out later. Um, a couple announcements. Um, I don't know if everybody's seen, but I'll go ahead and announce it. I am throwing a UFO conference here in Philadelphia um, that will be on May 20th. Um, it's called the Philadelphia UFO Exposure Con. Um, it is a pretty big venue. It's going to be beautiful. Um, you can get your tickets. They started on sale last week. Your tickets will include all seven speakers through the day. Um, you'll also get a lunch hors d'oeuvres and a dinner buffet. And, and at the end of the day, we're going to do a, a speaker Q&A. Um, and that ticket is a one price. It covers the entire day um, from 12 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, so you're getting 10 hours of content. Um, there also will be tables set up where you can get book signings, all kinds of different merchandise. Um, it, it's going to be a great time. Our speakers are Bill Burns. Tom Carey, Major uh, George Filer, Joseph Foster, Frank Chili, Robert Spearing, and my good friend Eric Mantell. Um, so there's going to be a lot of good content. I handpicked these individuals because of their lectures that I've seen over the years of going to different conferences. Um, and every one of them has always kept my interest all the way through their lecture. Um, really good stuff. Um, good information to have. And it's going to be a fun day to hang out. Why not? Um, we found out that the MUFON uh, Philadelphia one was canceled this year, so it was a perfect time to start our own. Um, and we are going to be sponsored by the Roswell Daily Record newspaper in Roswell, New Mexico, as well as the UNX Network, which is our home here. Um, you can go check them out on Facebook, um, and you can listen to our show on the UNX Network every Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So it's, a, it's a, everybody getting together. Um, if you need help getting it, you can find the links to get your tickets on my Twitter account or my Facebook account. And if for some reason you can't figure that out, you can email me at fieldinvestigatorpeak at gmail.com. Again, that's fieldinvestigatorpeak at gmail.com. Um, please reach out if you have any questions, um, concerns, please let me know. Um, and I hope to see some of you guys there. It's going to be a great time. And I know there's, a, there's going to be other pop-up people that pop up for the event um, that will just be there. Um, big time MUFON investigators, all kinds of people. So please come out. It will be a great time. Um, so to kick off our episode today, I usually do a fun fact or space facts is what I really like to do because I'm a part of the Planetary Society. Um, and we're always looking for how we can further space exploration. And we're always looking at different uh, planets and stars that we find and all kinds of stuff. And I just thought this this fact was a really cool fact. <laughs> um, so here it goes. The footprints on the moon will be there for over 100 million years. The reason being, the moon has no atmosphere, which means there is no wind to erode the surface and no water to wash the footprints away. This means footprints of the Apollo astronauts, along with spacecraft prints, 
rover prints and discarded material will be there for millions and millions of years. Ain't that, that's like holding history. I mean, <laughs> that's like going to a museum when you go to the new, <laughs> everything will be there. You'll be able to uh, teach people about your history and who landed here, who did what. <laughs> that's pretty neat. Um, good stuff there for our space facts of the day. Um, and like I, we did space facts last month. And just to, to reiterate it and say it again, um, these NASA spacesuits that they wear, they go for $12 million a piece. While the entire suit cost a cool $12 million, 70% of that cost is for the backpack and the control module, which is actually the most important part. Um, that's how they get their air, their, you know, all that. It keeps them going up in space. But it just goes to show you how much money is going into space exploration um, and how cool some of this stuff is. Um, they're finding new new radio blast signals coming out. Um, they also found some new signals last uh, the beginning of the week that they that I believe these astronomers and scientists are saying are 100 <clears throat> percent extraterrestrial <clears throat> in nature. <clears throat> so go check that out. I'm sure if you type it in Google, it'll pop right up for you. Um, really cool stuff. So we're going to start out by uh, doing um, this really cool EM case um, that I caught. Um, the title of it goes, Electrical Power Cuts Out in Homes After They Were Buzzed by a Weird UFO. So this should be interesting. Um, and as you know, that um, I am the project director at Project Bat Tech 404. And what we do there is we investigate and research UFO encounters and sightings that have had electrical malfunctions during those sightings. So, for example, if you're driving your vehicle down the road, you see a UFO and your vehicle stalls out. Um, that's an electrical malfunction. If you're on your phone and you see a UFO and your phone battery dies, that's an electrical malfunction. Just to give you a quick example. And if you want to see the project, you can go to projectbattech404.wordpress.com. Um, and if you want to report a case, you can see the reporting email on that website. If you had an uh, electrical malfunction during your sighting, you can report that to us. You can either do it anonymously and say you don't want us to report back, or you can ask for us to reach out and we'll, we'll give you a call and follow up with you. Um, again, that's projectbattech404.wordpress.com. So here's that case. It says, once again, electrical power cuts out in homes after they were buzzed by a weird UFO. The strange circular UFO is said to have hovered across the night sky with power cuts following the mysterious appearance, according to the Bucks Herald, which is the newspaper that reported on this. <clears throat> it says, one resident from Buckingham Park, Alsbury, Buckinghamshire, said, we were, quote, we were lying in bed and this extremely bright light lit up the room. We assumed that it was a star because it was a clear night, but it was so bright. Then it slowly rose up and suddenly shot over the top of our house, and you could hear an aircraft-like noise, but it was too fast to be a plane. As it passed over the power in our house, it dropped and came back. It really freaked us out. Then about 45 minutes later, we heard the same sound, and the power dropped again briefly and then came back. We took a picture but didn't have time to do a video as it suddenly shot off. Another resident separately contacted the paper claiming to have seen the same event in Watermead Estate in North Alsbury. Uh, the eyewitness said, quote, I was, I, I was sat watching telly with the blinds closed, but one of them was sort of lit up as if somebody was shining a torch on it. I looked out and saw this really bright light and then suddenly it shot across the top of the house and as it did, all the lights in the house went down and then came back on. The lights went down for a few more times in the next hour or two. I'm no conspiracy theorist, but it was really bizarre. So this is, that's the end of the case, that of the statement that was made about this case. So we know that obviously UFOs cause malfunctions, but the question is, and this is one of the big questions we like to ask when we're doing our project is, was this purposely done? Is the UFO purposely shutting down these phones and, and these different kinds of technology we have so that we can't film them or take pictures or get data or evidence? Or is it something that's built into their propulsion system that's causing these electrical currents or waves to interfere with our technology? And that's, that's it's a great question. 
Um, we're also trying to look in to see how close these things, but obviously they shut stuff down. Um, and that is definitely a concern, especially when it comes to military cases. Um, we all know Robert Salas and, and him being stationed at the missile silos um, for nuclear weapons and how they were shut down. Um, but there's tons of cases like this. And, you know, before 2000s, before the 2000s hit, you know, the, the statistic was that about 1% of all UFO sightings and encounters was an EM encounter. Um, now that we have done the project and started that, um, because after the 2000s, we've had a huge tech boom, um, our database and with the data we collected, we have now bumped that 1% of UFO sightings all the way up to 8 to 9% of UFO sightings or have some kind of electrical malfunction um, during a UFO sighting, which is, it's, it's, it's insane. Um, you know, I've had cases where um, a gentleman was driving down the road and as he's driving, he's listening to his XM radio. Um, he's on the phone, he hangs up his phone and he's still driving and he sees this UFO to his left and it's coming towards him. So he pulls his truck over, opens the door, gets out and is watching this thing as it's coming up to him. He grabs his phone to, to go and dial and call the person back, his girlfriend, to see if she could see it from where she is. And his phone battery is completely dead. So he looks in his vehicle and his Sirius XM satellite radio says no signal. So it not only affected and, and killed the battery on the phone, but he lost complete signal of satellite radio while this object was there. He watched it come close to him and then start going in another direction. And once it got over the trees about, I don't know, uh, about 300 feet away um, and it was going and moving away, um, the Sirius XM radio popped right back on and he had signal like that again. Um, and uh, But the battery was a little he had to remove the battery and put the battery back in for the phone to work. Um, so it caused some kind of circuit break there. Um, so this is really interesting stuff, how these objects are able to do this now, you know, and I, and some people say, well, they don't want us to take pictures of them or, you know, but then we see other people that see UFOs and they're able to take a, a photo of it, just like in the Tic Tac and all that stuff. Um, so it's, it's really interesting. Um, so, if you guys have any cases, please report them to us because this stuff, we need the data. We want to figure out what's going on here. Um, so let's move on here. We got some more EM cases for you. Um, this one is really interesting because it's an underwater uh, case, EM case. Um, this is a sudden malfunction 500 feet below the water. So according to the report, courtesy of a crew member on a U.S. Navy submarine, the USS Memphis. There were around 150, they were around 150 miles off the coast of Florida when they experienced an event that would shake the very foundations of all the beliefs of all the men on board. Um, the main witness would state that their mission was to protect the NASA space shuttle that was sitting on the launch pad in Florida. They would patrol the waters off the coast of Florida looking for looking out for potential terrorist attacks and other attempts to sabotage the upcoming mission. On this particular evening of the 24th going into the 25th of October, the USS Memphis was cruising at a depth of around 500 feet. The mission had been standard until the submarine suddenly started experiencing problems with their electronics. In fact, more than just problems, the witness would claim that the ship was malfunctioning, the tanks were blowing, and the navigation ability and communication became totally lost. A decision was made to bring the vehicle to a stop so they could attempt to get a handle on what just happened. However, when the controls and the reactor began to malfunction, the captain of the vessel ordered it to shut down and for the crew to surface immediately, switching to diesel engines when they did so. When the USS Memphis broke the surface of the water, the witness went immediately to his watch station. Now, a large V-shaped object that made the style. So this is this is crazy. I mean, you're having objects out there that are able to potentially shut down you know, underwater objects, especially our, our submarines, because of an object, you know, and they don't know what the object is. They have no idea, but they're seeing these unknown objects and to be able to shut down uh, a submarine under the water and make it malfunction. 
Now, if you notice at the end of this story, the, the commander made them come topside, okay? And they were able to do so because they switched to their diesel engine. Now, my project, Project Fat Tech, we first wrote a paper about diesel engines and EMFX. Now, diesel engines do not need a continuous uh, electric flow to run um, for the most part, uh, especially before I think it was 1976. Um, you know, they would spark once and keep going and keep going. And I'm probably sure these old engines on these ships might have been the same way. Um, they're not able to be effective. We've had plenty of cases where someone in a diesel engine sitting there and someone in a combustion engine sitting there and the combustion engine dies completely um, and the diesel engine keeps running, but all the electronics in the diesel engine truck are, are malfunctioned, but the engine kept going. So that's what made them be able to come topside because on a normal, on a normal engine, they still would have been stranded under the water. Think how scary that might've been. Um, so it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, so we have another case here. It's a large inverted V-shaped object that made the sky glow red. So this witness was looking out in the night sky, which was glowing red like a neon sign as rain lashes down <clears throat> on the water below. Only moments later, however, he witnessed a large inserted V-shaped object on the port side of the submarine. With him and his executive officer, so this is a continuation of that of, of that other one, the, the submarine. Okay, so they seen the, B, the inserted V-shaped object on the poor side of the submarine when they surfaced back up the top. With him as an executive officer who told the witness to remain at his post on the tower while he went to inform the captain. Moments later, the officer returned to the tower with the captain with him. Using a laser rangefinder, they would estimate that they were 200 meters from the nearest point of this strange V-shaped craft, which was around 650 feet from their vessel, with the furthest point being a little over 3,000 feet away. This suggested to them that the object was around a half mile across. That's a large object. They could see that it was circling around the submarine, and as it passed overhead, the electronics began to go crazy once again. The red glow was clearly coming from the underside of the craft, lighting up the water below which appeared to rise almost as foot as, it, as the object passed over. The object then came to a sudden stop, hanging motionless for several seconds, causing the entire sky to shine bright red. Then, without warning, it moved off at tremendous speed and disappeared. At the same time, the electronics returned to working order, except the communications and sonar, which appeared to be permanently damaged. It goes on to say all events have been deleted. After the captain ordered the system check, they returned to the reactor power and set it back on, on their patrol. After they were moving through the waters once again, the captain told the witness and the executive officer, as well as the two petty officers, to join him in the wardroom. Ultimately, ultimately, he would tell the group, the only ones who have witnessed this bizarre occurrence, that they should not speak about it until he had a chance to report it to the commander of the submarine fleet. Strangely, when they reached port about seven hours later, the witnesses were taken into protective custody. As they waited for the main witness and the two officers each agreed to what they had seen was real, it was around three hours later when an officer from the Air Force arrived to speak with the men. Unbelievably, to all three of them, they were informed by this officer that what they had witnessed was merely an exploding weather satellite. <laughs> oh my God. Perhaps even more suspicious, certainly according to the witness, was that every single person on the crew of the USF Memphis at the time of the incident, after having served around four years together, were suddenly trans transferred to completely new assignments without explanation. Even the captain was transferred from the mission. Essentially, the witness stated they were split up, which almost never happens. Ultimately, the officer remained quiet about the incident for several years, eventually reporting it to the researchers after watching a television program and suddenly inspired him to share his encounter. According to researcher and, and writer Frank Joseph, the official record history of the USS Memphis states only that a submarine was underway 
for a dependence cruise in October 1989. All other references of that cruise, Joseph writes, including the events of the 24th and 25th, have been deleted. That is absolutely insane to have an experience like that with all these electrical malfunctions going on and all of your data to be taken away. And reading this and, and, and going through this case and hearing that reminds me of Kevin Day when he was on here talking to us. Um, I think it was back in December. And he talked about, you know, when they were tracking these objects, um, two men came on board and they took the entire black boxes that kept all the data on them. Um, again, again, we see this happening, yet the government claims that they don't investigate UFO sightings. So it just makes you think, how much data and how much evidence do they really have that they're not showing us? I mean, you got to imagine, if, they're, if, if this is public, this kind of a case, this submarine happened, um, the USS Nimitz, what else is there out there? You know, I'm sure they've been running into this stuff for a long time. Uh, so it's just something really cool to think about. Um, so with that, we're going to go ahead and take our quick break right now. When we come back, we got five major cases from this month's MUFON Monthly Journal. So this should be a good one. Um, so we'll be back back after these commercial messages. UFO Encounters Worldwide would like to present K&P Expressive Events, which is an event planning company serving Philadelphia and the tri-state area. They host new, fun-themed events each month, so if you love music, art, anime, or even UFOs, keep checking for our events each month, and we hope to see you there soon. Check the UFO Encounters Worldwide website in the events section for new events monthly from K&P Expressive Events. For the first time this year on May 20th, 2023, we'll be holding the first annual Philadelphia UFO Exposure Con. We have seven amazing speakers, including Joe Foster, Robert Spearing, George Filer, Frank Chili, Eric Mantell, Bill Burns, and Tom Carey. We'll also be holding a Q&A at the end of the day. We'll have dinner buffet, a light lunch hors d'oeuvres, book signings, merchandise, and a cash bar. So come on out on May 20th, 2023 from 12 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can order your tickets in the description of the episode below. We hope to see you there. UFO Encounters Worldwide has an official website for the podcast. You can go to UFO Encounters Worldwide wordpress.com to go check out our website there's articles on the ufo phenomenon you could follow my travels see where i've been and what conferences are coming up that's again ufo encounters worldwide.wordpress.com ufo encounters worldwide wants to hear from you have an experience or a sighting you want to share? Contact your host, Jesse Peak, at UFO Encounters Worldwide at gmail.com today. UFO Encounters Worldwide would like to announce our brand new home at the UNX Network. Listen to us every Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear UFO Encounters Worldwide podcast. That's on the UNX Network. Looking for some new swag? UFO Encounters Worldwide now has an official swag store. You can go to storefrontier.com slash UFO Encounters Worldwide. It'll take you directly to our new swag store where you can get hoodies, sweatpants, t-shirts, and more. Also, we also sell brand new stickers and pins. Just DM me anytime and we'll get you all set up. Again, for the official swag store, that's storefrontier.com slash UFO Encounters Worldwide. Thank you. 
All right, welcome back to the second half of episode 77. Um, just some real quick stuff. Uh, please go check out our official sponsor of our show, KMP Expressive Events. You can find their official page on Facebook, um, and you can also see their new upcoming monthly events on our website at ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com. Um, they're doing some amazing events, and they're actually working with me to throw the PA conference. Um, the most professional people I've ever worked with, excellent company, um, and they make sure everybody is happy in the end, and uh, surely they've been working very hard and due diligently with me as well to throw this event, um, and I know that everybody else that has used KMP Expressive Events is extremely happy, um, so go check them out um, and come to some of our events. Um, they're posted over there, like I said, check them out. Um, upcoming in March, um, they're having Spring Fling with the Bunny. Um, so if you want to bring your kids and get some Easter photos done, um, they're going to have uh, games and crafts for the kids, as well as different vendors for mom and dad while you're there. Um, so please check it out and uh, come. It is a free event for you to come. You just got to show up. Um, bring your own camera so you can get some pictures done um, and just come and hang out and have a good time. Um, again, that's K&P Expressive Events, the official sponsor of our show. Um, so recently, um, MUFON was actually just on, uh, it was called the official MUFON episode of Ancient Aliens. Um, if you're really interested in MUFON and you really don't have an idea about them yet, you can go see everything that we do um, on a daily basis on that recent episode of Ancient Aliens, which is on the History Channel. Um, you know, there's a little bit of uh, what, what we do. Um, our motto is we are MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, scientifically researching the UFO phenomenon to benefit humanity. Um, on that episode, you'll see how we do investigations, um, how we work with witnesses, um, and what our total job is overall. And, um, you know, we live by trying to help people in this world, in the phenomenon, because you could not just go to your local police department and report a UFO sighting. They'll probably tell you, to, they'll probably laugh at you, honestly. Um, and MUFON is the oldest and largest uh, UFO organization in the world. Um, so yeah, if you have a sighting or you had encounters with ET or, or encounters in general, you can go over to MUFON.com and you can report your sighting in a field of a local field investigator will contact you from your area and investigate your case for you. Absolutely free. Um, <clears throat> we are trained. We have to take a, a good extensive training classes. Um, so we definitely know what we're doing when it comes to investigating these cases. So, uh, if you have a case, please report it to MUFON. Um, and that's where these cases that we're doing today come from. Um, every month, MUFON puts out a monthly journal and um, reports on the top cases. Uh, so not the top cases of, of this month, but some of the top cases that MUFON has ever investigated in general. Um, and this is why we get to have this kind of episode with you guys today. Um, before I do the case, I will always read you the case number. Um, this way you can follow along with me or when we're done, you can go search the case up and get the details. Or if you miss something or want to go back and see something again, you can. Um, and also if you, the easiest way to do that now is the new MUFON app that you can get on your phone. Um, I think it's, if you're, if you're a member of MUFON, it's absolutely free. If you're not a MUFON, it's $1.99, and you can search cases from all over the world, the CMS, um, see where sightings have been, um, the hot spots, the shapes of the sightings, the distances, um, and the report of that sighting. So MUFON's really uh, trying to get information out to the public. Um, we have it, and we want to get the public more involved in what we're doing. Um, if you want to become a field investigator, that's great. You have to become a member first, um, and then you get you get in contact with your local chapter, and uh, they'll walk you through the process of becoming a certified and licensed field investigator. Um, one of the best things I ever done was becoming a MUFON field investigator. I love MUFON in and out. Um, the Pennsylvania chapter is extremely close and works well together. And plus, PA is seventh all time in total UFO sightings. So um, it's it's a hotspot. The entire state's a hotspot. Um, so I enjoy working with it and I enjoy the work that I get to do and helping people every day. Um, when people thank me after I do an investigation, it's one of the best things ever. Um, and that makes it all worthwhile as a volunteer because everybody in MUFON is a volunteer. Um, so let's go ahead and uh, let's look at our first case. <clears throat> this is case number 127264. Again, that's 127264. 
It's a cigar-shaped object photographed over Idaho. <clears throat> a law enforcement, uh, a law enforcement individual in Old Town, Idaho, reported seeing an orange cigar-shaped glowing object flying north in level flight towards him and below the clouds, according to testimony in case one two seven two six four. He saw the object for about 30 seconds and was able to take several photographs of, of it, one of which accompanies this summary. So with the photo that I'm looking at here, you can see that there is a, it's, it's obviously nighttime here, but you can see what looks like a small white tic-tac in the photo. Um, and if you search the case, case file, you'll be able to see all the photos that this individual took um, and, and uh, get an idea of what we're looking at here. So it continues to say the witness was located alongside a highway at 11.45 p.m. on December 9th, 2022, when the start of the sighting occurred. His description of the event in the case management system provides as detailed as follows. Around 11.45 p.m., I was standing near my police vehicle on the side of a highway. It was dark, 28 degrees, lots of snow on the ground, and very cloudy. There were three street lights on to the north of me, but none to the south. No vehicles in the area. As I grabbed something from inside my vehicle, everything went dead silent, and I observed a bright orange glowing cigar-shaped object flying north towards me and horizontally. The object was below the clouds and approximately a half a mile south of my location. The object emitted orange light across the the entire front of me, and it was very intense, light at the center. As the object continued towards me, I took a photograph with flash, and it suddenly stopped, made a 90-degree left turn, and flew west. Speeds were much greater than a plane or a helicopter. I turned the flash off on the camera and captured one picture as it flew out of sight. I only made out the shape of the object as a cigar or rectangle when it changed direction. Unfortunately, my police vehicle was facing the wrong direction to capture the object on the HD dash cam. The object was not a drone, plane, or helicopter, which I am very familiar with. It flew nothing like I had ever seen and was dead silent. The attached photos are, are from an older digital camera, and I lightened a few copies up, all attached to the photo, the same photo. End quote. Um, the Idaho MUFON State Director, Jim Miller, closed this case as an unknown aerial vehicle, or UAV. In the investigator's summary report, Miller stated that the witness is credible law enforcement and gave a clear, concise statement. The object appeared to react to the flash of the, uh, of the phone camera when he took the picture. This would indicate under some sort of control unknown UAV. Old Town is a city in Bonner County, Idaho, and suburb of Newport, Washington, so you know the exact location. Um, this is when we, we were able to figure out when these kind of cases are real UFO objects, especially when they are reacting to what you are doing on the ground with this flash of the phone, and that shows intelligence. And when there's intelligence, that's obviously some kind of real UFO that, that, we, that we try to look for and investigate. Um, and, and to see that sudden reaction of the flash of the phone and it immediately turned 90 degrees, I mean, that's something to pay attention to right there. That's extremely interesting. Um, and it was by a law enforcement officer. Now, of course, <laughs> the HD camera on the, didn't get to capture because it was the vehicle was turned in the opposite direction. That would have been amazing to have HD 4K to capture this object. Um, but in the photograph, like I said, it does look like a tic-tac or like he described, a cigar-shaped object. Um, again, and that was case number 127264. Uh, moving on, we have another case. Case 127291. Again, case number 127291. Large blue object videoed over Oregon. In Springfield, Oregon... A man reported seeing a strange blue light hovering and behind trees 
according to testimony in case 127291. He was able to take two videos of it. An image of the object taken from the videos appears above. His wife also uh, observed the object as well. Now, in the photo here, you it's, it's a clear blue object, maybe possibly a sphere in this photo. Um, this shows one of the videos, so if you look the case up, you'll be able to see both videos of this object that clearly looks like a blue orb with a uh, blue aura around it, just like the gimbal had around it in the, from the uh, mimetic encounters. So it goes on to say, the incident began at 9.44 p.m. on December 9, 2022, when the witness walked out onto his patio and immediately saw the object as it hovered above the trees. His detailed description of the event in the case management system sets forth what transpired. And it begins, I stepped out onto our patio to lock our garage door in preparation for going to bed. I looked eastward and then immediately saw a very strange blue colored light hovering over and behind trees next to the Mackenzie River. It was raining out so I knew that this object had to be below the cloud deck. I snapped a couple of pictures with my new iPhone 14 Pro Max raw model, then immediately went inside to grab my Luna Optics night vision binoculars. I returned to the patio and went to turn the binoculars on and found the batteries were dead, even though brand new. I returned inside, grabbed my auxiliary battery brick, and powered the binoculars using the external battery source. I have been around aviation for my entire life, and I know this was not like anything I had ever seen before. We have a large hospital immediately to our north, and I enjoy watching the life flight helicopters flying in and landing on the hospital roof. There was not a helicopter. This was not a helicopter and was not a drone which I see flying over the river often. I had enough time to check all my flight programs for aircraft in the area, and there were none. I called 911 to report this sighting, <clears throat> just so there would be an official log of it. I tried calling our local airport control tower, but could not find the number. I did access the airport's weather data and found that the cloud ceiling was 7,000 feet. I took approximately eight minutes of video using my phone and night vision binoculars, end quote. So, how about that? We're talking about the MUFON top cases in the February journal, and in the second case, it's RE and EM case. So, like I said earlier, Project Battech has now officially concluded that 8 to 9% of cases are EM cases, so we're going to see them more and more. So, in his, when he grabbed the binoculars... The batteries he had inside, which were brand new, were dead when he tried to video this thing. <clears throat> so he had to actually hook it up externally to get power source all the way through the binoculars. And like he said, there is eight minutes of video. So along with the photo that I described earlier, if you search the case number 127291, you'll be able to get the eight-minute video as well as the other photographs this gentleman took. Now, the Oregon MUFON field investigator, Jonathan Lingo, worked on this case and closed it as an unknown aerial vehicle, or UAV. In his investigating summary report, Lindell states, He and his wife regularly relax under the night sky and have become quite accomplished in identifying aircraft and their positions. On this particular sighting, he was not sky-gazing, but had simply gone outside to lock up the garage for the evening, when he had looked up in the sky and noticed a bright blue star-like object hovering and drifting around the sky. The witnesses had an iPhone 14 Pro with him and took, even, took a 7-second video of the object and then rushed inside to get Luna, Luna Optic Gen 3 image intensifier binoculars that have video and still photographing, recognizing capabilities. It also has the ability to zoom from 6 times to 30 times. He proceeded to record a 7-minute video of the object that sometimes presents as one star-like object and sometimes two. When watching the video, I got the impression that might have been the cause by viewing from different angles. 
and that the two lights could be on one's object. The video was too large to be included in the case management system, so I've edited it down to a one and a half minute AVI, standing for Audio Video Interleave, file and included that. I have great confidence in the witness's ability as a reliable experienced observer and that this was an actual sighting of an unusual event. His wife also saw it all well together as another witness from a different area of the town. Therefore, I have 90% confidence in classifying this sighting as an unknown UAV. Now, Springfield is a city in Wayne County, Oregon, United States, located in the southern Willamette Valley and is within Eugene Springfield Metropolitan Statistical Area. So this, this gentleman is extremely knowledgeable with aircraft um, and for his wife to see it um, in different area, I mean, that's crazy. And he actually had all the right gear, um, you know, the, the infrared, the binoculars, um, you know, the uh, Luna Optics Gen 3 intensifier binoculars. That's, that's all the best equipment you can have to, to have a sighting and then have that at your disposal. So I'm sure that if you go into the case and look at this stuff, it's really going to be really interesting videos and photographs. That was 127291. So let's move on to our next case. This case is 127372. Two delta-shaped anomalies photographed in the sky over Carolina. A Somerville, South Carolina woman reported she saw and took several photographs of an unusual lights in the sky, according to testimony in case 127372. A total of five digital pictures were taken, three of which show an apparent UFOs, while two show only a rocket launch. One of the three UFO photos has been reproduced above. The contrail in the lower part of the photo is from the launch. The witness apparently was at her home at 8.19 p.m. on December 16, 2022, when the sighting took place. Her short description of the event in the CMS simply notes that during her observation of the Falcon 9 launch, she snapped pics. Notice green in the pics in the vicinity of the Falcon 9. The sighting duration was 11 minutes. So she actually... You can see the photo here, and you can actually see the Falcon 9 launch. And above this Falcon 9 launch rocket, we, we, and you can see this, the, uh, the stream from the rocket, um, above that is this object that she captured in the sky. Um, and there's another one off to the left. So, And they said something about a third one, but I think that's just the rocket. So there's two unidentified objects above the Falcon 9 rocket in this photo. Um, so go check that photo out. Um, that's 127372. So it goes on to say, the investigator assigned to the case, William Brumley, closed the case as an unknown aerial vehicle. In, this, in his conclusion to the case in the investigation report, Brumley states, After viewing the photos, you can clearly see the rocket launch in the first picture. The second picture shows an anomaly in the right-hand side of the photo. The anomaly is elongated. The third picture shows two delta-shaped anomalies. At first, I thought it was a solid rocket booster separation from the launch vehicle. After further inspection, I feel that if that were the case, the boosters would be behind the launch vehicle. But the anomalies are in front of the launch vehicle. In one photo, there is a lens flare easily identifiable. Checking with the National Weather Service, the weather was clear with no cloud cover. No planets are visible at that altitude, and the space and space station was not visible at that time. Two of the anomalies seem to be in a delta shape, but the image is a bit blurry, so I can't say that for sure. I would like to know what kind of camera the witness used, but have not been able to get in contact with the witness. With the data I have to go on and the facts that in one of the pictures, the anomalies have a delta shape, I feel this should be closed as an unknown aerial vehicle, or UAP. Now, Somerville is a town in South Carolina, situated mostly in Dorchester County, with small portions in Berkeley and Charleston counties. Um, so you get the idea. So that's a shame we never got to actually speak with the witness. He never responded. Um, so he did this anonymously, but you can clearly see, like I said in the photo, that there's two objects above the Falcon 9 
Um, so we, this is, it's great to have that as a reference uh, to see where the Falcon 9 rocket is and where these two objects actually stand. Um, so this is really interesting. Um, it's great to have. That's, that's, that's a case everybody hopes to get, you know. <laughs> um, so we have two more cases to get through. Um, the next case is case number 127249. Cone-like object videoed over Georgia. In Cornelia, Georgia, a man reported seeing two star-like orbs flying about the sky, according to testimony in case 127249. He was able to take videos of them, and an image of the objects taken in the video is reproduced above. The witness literally went outside to speak to a higher being at 10 p.m. on December 8, 2022, when two orbs came uh, come up and then hovered. In his detailed description of the event in the case management system, the reporting witness explains that I saw two orbs, like stars, that came upon me as I'm looking up and talking, or praying, to a higher being. They showed up, and I know for a fact that they showed up and moved in fashion that was realistic. So this, uh, this, this individual was obviously doing maybe a CE5, um, or just trying to pray and, and, and make something appear. And in the object, in the photo, you can see um, what looks like to be a two different color objects. One might be a uh, lens flare, but there is another object that's a different color. It's a little orangey. Um, but he states that there was two orbs, that they're both orbs. Um, now, the Georgia MUFON State Director Fred Color closed his case as an unknown vehicle or UAV. In his investigated summary report, Color states, as to the three separate screenshots of the object in question, three screenshots accompany this event in the CMS, by the way. So there's three other still photos. Um, if you look up the case number, which is 127249, the investigator says it looks like to be a cone-like in shape and just sitting there at times with a pinkish red color to it. Witness says he saw a dome and a sketch is needed to verify that. These would... These would not be asteroids, fireballs, or planets, for you could see that they all came right into play and stopped, unless they are drones. I have not seen cone-like drones flying around. Um, Cornelia is a city in Hampersham, or Habersham County, Georgia. The population is 4,100 from the 10, 2010 census. Um, so that's pretty crazy. Um, pretty cool stuff to be able to see two things, especially when you go out and try to do CE5. Uh, people are doing it more and more now. You don't just need a group of people. You can do it on your own. Um, and this individual actually caught some really good video. Um, I suggest you took that, that case number, 127249. Go check it out. Get the description of the case, but check out the other photos that are all assigned with it. Um, so for our final case today, we have case number 127248. An anomalous object photographed in dark cloud over Georgia. In Gainesville, Georgia, man reported seeing a photo uh, reported seeing and photographing what appeared to be an object of some type within a cloud, according to testimony in case 127248. The witness was outside his house at 6:13 p.m. on December 8, 2022, when the sighting took place. Its duration was listed as being 10 seconds long. Here's the witness case management description of what happened and what transpired. Quote, on the evening of December 8, 2022, at 6.13 p.m., I noticed a dark cloud that appeared to be in a triangle shape. At this point, I took a picture of it and noticed immediately that the object appeared within the cloud. It should not, it should not, have, uh, it should not be noted. The witness has submitted many reports to MUFON's case management system over the time. Georgia MUFON State Director Fred Culler closed his case as an unknown aerial vehicle. In his investigative summary of the conclusion, conclusions from the form, Verity Culler states that he talked with the witness and he sent me some more pictures of what was going on. If you move up in the photo at the northeast direction is cream of the crop with what looks to be a const, uh, uh, conical object with a green gas-like aorta coming at the bottom part of the object. The object has what seems to be some type of line around the top, extending down diagonally to the bottom. The city of Gainesville is a county seat in Hall County, Georgia. So you guys know the location. Um, so yeah, you can actually see that there is object um, in this photo 
Um, but I would definitely check and use the case management system and look up that. That's case 127248. And, well, that's uh, all of our top cases from the February 2023 MUFON Journal. Um, always good stuff here. Always very good in detail with the cases. Um, please go check out the case uh, numbers if you can. And don't forget, you can get the new app on your phone. If you're a member, it's free. If not, it's $1.99, and it's well worth it. Um, so that's going to be it for our episode today. Please come out on May 20th. Um, to the Philadelphia UFO Exposure Con. Get your tickets now. You can get them on Facebook or on Twitter. On my account, you'll see them there. It's very simple, very easy. One price for 10 hours. Everything's included. So I hope to see some of you guys there. Um, we'll be next. We'll be back next week with another guest. Uh, I don't know. I think it might be Jim Goodall. I think he's coming on. Um, I'll have to look at the schedule, but yes, he is upcoming, and uh, that should be a great, great episode. So I want to thank everybody for listening to episode seventy-seven of UFO Encounters Worldwide. This is your host Jesse Peak, and until next time, keep your eyes in the sky. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today for episode 77 for MUFON's Top Cases in the February 2023 Journal and for some of the uh, EM encounters that we went over today as well. They're extremely, they're getting more and more popular. I mean, uh, just about, you know, like we said, uh, our statistic is 8 to 9% of UFO sighting cases and encounters are EM today. So pay attention to that. If you ever do happen to be in a UFO encounter or having a sighting. Um, and uh, next week, I was right, Jim Goodall will be our guest. Um, you know, everybody knows Jim Goodall. He worked at Area 51. He, he was a test pilot, um, did some amazing stuff. He's very knowledgeable. Um, can't wait to have him on. He's, he's an uh, aviation historian. Um, so that should be some great, great uh, information coming out from that. Uh, the week after, we have Don Schmidt. Then Mark Ollie and Shane Old Vet from Twitter. Um, so this Mar the month of March is going to be uh, excellent, excellent lineup. Um, so you know, tune in and we'll have some good times. Check out our sponsor KMP Expressive Events. You can go on Facebook and find their page. Um, and if you're looking for new events, uh, we post their new events monthly on our website ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com. And I hope to see you guys and hear you all next week for another episode of UFO Encounters Worldwide. And until next time, keep your eyes in the sky.